Hello, friends. Hello, 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 friends. A tradition unlike any other. Oh, 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 oh my goodness. In your life have you seen anything like that? There it is. Adam Scott, a life changer. Mashed potato. Here it, here it, here it, here it comes. Future Golf is Australia's largest golfing community for younger players, providing access to some of Australia's best courses. Your membership includes free rounds, over 100 discounted green fees Australia-wide, a free professional lesson and ex-golf simulator session, and of course, the all-important Golf Australia handicap. The best part though, the price. For 19th Tee listeners, you can get a huge 20% off any Future Golf membership with the promo code the 19th Tee. So if you're looking for a place to play without the jacket and tie, Look no further than Future Golf. Head to futuregolf.com.au forward slash join. And don't forget to use the 19th T promo code for a huge 20% off. Future Golf, play your way. Welcome back to the 19th T podcast. Drew's with you for this episode. And I'm joined on the other end of the line by a man currently sitting in quite a chilly Canberra at the moment. I think it might be the first guest that we've had from the nation's capital. I'm talking of course about matt miller and he's joining me uh hopefully from somewhere nice and warm matt thanks very much for joining us on the 19th t podcast thanks man nice to be on with you tonight not too cold down in canberra mate it, i had a look at the bomb radar and it didn't look overly uh overly <laughs> warm down in canberra as opposed to up here in sunny queensland yeah. um yeah it's been uh, actually it hasn't been that bad to be honest through this winter uh, you know for what it can be here but uh but yeah it's uh We've had a bit of wet weather lately, which has probably sort of kept us indoors. But uh, yeah, the temperature not not too bad. But um, yeah, we're certainly looking forward to probably another two or three weeks' time, and we try and make our way out of it. So uh, we'll, we'll get a bit of a COVID update, as we have done from our guests. Uh, things are looking pretty positive down there in the nation's capital, as I mentioned. Um, you you told me I don't think you've got any cases down there at the moment, so I imagine. From a golfing perspective, uh, you've been able to get back out on the course. You've been able to to keep the game fresh, mate. Yeah, um, we we've been pretty lucky um, most of the way through. Uh, we've had we had very limited cases early, um, but uh, yeah, and I think no real cases to report in the last sort of two or three months. I think so. We've been quite lucky, but um, you know, everyone's still being very vigilant and. You know, doing what they can, and uh, obviously some border restrictions are probably probably helping. Um, but uh, yeah, we've still got to continue to be very careful, I guess. But lucky to be out in the golf course. Um, you know, similar restrictions to what other golf courses have. You know, with no touching the flag, flag's got to stay in. Uh, you know, no swapping scorecards or anything. Um, you know, bunkers, no raking. You know, get in there and build a sandcastle and whack it out. Uh, you know all that sort of thing but um but no look we've been lucky here so uh, i'm trying to trying to continue to play a couple of times a week in the members comp if i can on a wednesday and a friday uh and maybe try and fit in a little bit of practice on a monday where possible so yeah very very lucky i feel for the guys in victoria you know with what they're going through but um whereabouts are you playing at the moment matt um i play at federal golf club here in canberra great club uh really good course um so yeah, very very lucky to be uh, an ambassador for for Federal Golf Club. And how are the members, uh, I suppose, going with a professional golfer just rocking down to the local competition, and um, I'm sure taking the money off them fairly regularly. 
Oh, no, no, they're, they're good. Um, but don't worry, I'm, I'm well handicapped to uh, <laughs> to make sure that I can't compete with some of them bandits. That's for sure. Uh, yeah. What are you playing but off? No, plus I, I try plus how many? Oh, actually, I just got a shot back. I'm, I'm on plus five at the moment. I was on plus six. I had a good run of form there coming out of the first three months of the year and um, had quite a quite a few flags come up and, on, the, on the handicap. But, uh, yeah, I've been, been a bit slack the last few weeks and sort of turning in, you know, one and two unders every time you go out. So, no, I'll uh, tell you what. Uh, yeah, back to plus five. I would give me left foot to turn in one or two under every time. <laughs> Let me tell you. Let's go all the way back, Matt. Let's go all the way back to 1976. Uh, you're born in, in Wollongong, in the Gong, mates, and uh, obviously yeah. currently residing in, in Canberra. But uh, take us back to where golf really began for you. What's your connection to the game? Yeah, um, 1984, uh, we were in Goulburn on the way to Canberra. So I think we've been in Goulburn for about five years, five or thereabouts, yeah. And uh, I started in Goulburn with um, my best mate at the time, Justin Taylor. His, his father, Terry, was a very good player. Played for about two on the old handicap system, you know, way back then. So that was a, that was a pretty, good, uh, pretty good effort, especially with the equipment going around. Um, and, yeah, we used to tag along with him after school. Uh, he'd finish, he'd start early in the morning, finish sort of mid-afternoon. And, yeah, we'd tag along and annoy the hell out of him. And, you know, next minute we'd pulling sticks out of his bag and whacking balls and and then we're uh we all of a sudden we're you know playing the Saturday afternoon nine hole junior comp and then next minute we're members of the club and you know at a pretty young age and handicaps and yeah got the bug for it and away we went so uh that's where I started in Goulburn. What what do you think the attraction was? I suppose obviously you you mentioned it probably sort of just started out as a couple of mates hanging out together, and and uh, it sounds like it sort of just naturally happened. But what was what was the attraction to the game? Yeah, I don't know. I think um, uh, well, I think just the fact that we we're both very competitive as well. We played a lot of sports together and same teams, and um, you know, and then all of a sudden you had an individual sport, but we were both very competitive and. And just yeah, I don't know. We just I can't remember exactly what what it was, but it was a different sport, you know. Um, and we just yeah, both of us just really liked it. Um, and and we sort of I guess at a young age, you know, it's probably it's probably easier to start as a younger person than as an older person to get the game of golf. But uh, you know, we just yeah, we sort of we both loved it and and were you know pretty reasonable at it to start with. So. Uh, that made it even easier, but um, yeah, we just just couldn't get enough of it. What What were the next steps after that to where you started to, I suppose, make it the sport that you played as opposed to a sport that you played? What uh, sort of did those next few years look like after you? You mentioned you start to get a little bit better at it, and I suppose you think, oh, you know, maybe this maybe this is the sport that I want to play. Yeah, I think um, you know, just sort of you know uh, watching people like Greg Norman, you know, when, when you're that young and, mm. and, you know, Ian Baker Finch and, you know, and Wayne Grady's Roger Davis, you know, all those guys, um, you know, that sort of, you know, they were playing great golf and leading the way for Australians. And, you know, and then, you know, you just sort of, we moved on to Canberra in 89 and uh, played down here at Belconnen as a, as a young fella. And just probably after we'd been here, I reckon probably only a year or two. And, and I just knew that in around that 1990, I just knew that I wanted to be a golf professional. I didn't want to do anything else. 
Um, you know, I gave away all sports by then, um, and I was just playing golf. Um, you know, and, and that was just that was it. That's all I wanted to do. And my parents said to me, uh, you know, you're gonna need to give away all these other sports, contact sports and stuff. You know, because you don't want any broken um, broken arms or legs or bones or anything. You know, yeah. going forward in, in the years to come. And I just sort of thought, oh, well, yeah, maybe you're right. Um, and yeah, you know, I just I just really focused on golf, and, uh, and that's that's what I wanted to do. And I, and I wasn't really willing to accept anything else. I probably didn't put in a, as much effort at school as I could have. <laughs> uh, probably sat there looking out windows, seeing if I could, you know, possibly hit a seven iron over that really high tree or not. You know, <laughs> but, um, yeah. So uh, that's sort of how it all started, man. So I, I suppose at the age of 14, you know that, that golf is the path that, that, want to take, that you want to take. Uh, around that sort of mm. similar time is when a lot of junior teams start to get selected and I suppose the, the eyes of maybe you know, other professionals start to get put on you. Is that the case in, in your career? Um, it, well, interestingly, you know, I just played, uh, played a couple of interstate series for ACT, um, but... Uh, didn't really wasn't um, you know I mean you compete at junior tournaments and you'd be up there not far away but you know probably only ever really won a couple um, you know that's probably in later years but you know I, I was never selected in a you know or thought of by you know a New South Wales side or anything like that um, and and my amateur career even even all the way up to a turned professional was really I oh, probably be described as you know. You know, less than average. Um, just never really, really did a lot. Uh, when I did travel to play, you know, a couple of reasonable results, but nothing, nothing to write home about. So um, you know, I ended up taking the, the traineeship option um, as, as a result of that, I think. So yeah, but yeah, not really a, a great amateur like some of the uh, some of the guys you see over the last sort of fifteen or twenty years. We make the decision to to turn pro in in 1999 or you turned pro in 1999 um i was going to ask you if it was a big decision for you to to make the decision to turn pro but but, con, but considering you'd had your heart set on being in golf since the age of 14 i imagine it was probably a pretty simple yeah. choice to uh to make the decision that this is going to be your career yeah well i went straight out of school really and, and did my did my time in the in the golf shop uh finished at the end of 98 and yeah and that's all i wanted to do uh you know really look forward to uh, to 1999, um, you know, when you when you could do it, but um, you know, being young and and whatnot, you you look forward to it, but uh, in a sense, you don't really realise exactly uh, what you're walking into and exactly how hard it can be. So, um, yeah, so, but no, look, I was really excited and and looking forward to that opportunity, and it's and I guess you know you also get probably a sense of uh, fulfilment from that, you know, the fact that that's something you'd wanted to do. You know, from a young age and then you've been fortunate enough to to be able to do it and do it for so long you, you turned pro in 99 and i suppose in many ways 1999 to that 2000 era um, was when golf was really starting to make a big resurgence i suppose in the world we'd obviously had the 90s where we've got some some very big players but that back end of that decade was so massive for the reason, I suppose, of Tiger Woods um, putting golf really back on the map. Uh, I suppose he he started to change the perception of the game in many ways. 
Um, did you see in your early years of a traineeship just some of that tiger effect potentially flowing, not necessarily even into your career, but perhaps into those careers around you or, or just, you know, popularity of the game? How did you see it being, uh, you know, having your two feet on the ground in the golfing industry at that time? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, he's, it, it, I mean, it continues even to this day, even mm. when he's not at his peak or, you know, in his best form or physically if he's injured. Um, yeah, it, it, it was big. Um, you know, it was, it was as big as, you know, Norman really had been for Australia and for golf, mm. um, you know, prior to him. Um, you know, but he's just, you know, Tiger's just got, you know, he's just got things that others don't have. Uh, it's, it's hard to describe. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, he, he has dominated the game and, and, you know, I mean, you take him out of the game, we saw what happened, you know, in years to come when, when he's out of the game, you know, with, mm. uh, with issues off the field and whatnot, um, you know, and, um, TV viewing the percentages dropping by 50%, you yeah. know, around the world, um, just over one guy. Um, and that was the same back then, you know, he, he was fresh, he was new on the scene. Um, you know, he was you know, he was taking down some of the bigger name players and, and doing it with ease, you know, and almost to the point where it could be considered, I guess, too easy for him, but mm. you know, he almost did it with a sense of arrogance yeah. you know, in in a way. Just the way he dominated. Um, but, you know, kids wanted to be him, everyone wanted a pair of black trousers and a red shirt. Um, you know, and that's yeah. And everyone wanted a set of, you know, tightless and then Nikes and yeah, it's, yeah, it's just incredible. It's incredible then and still is now. Yeah. The impact that he's had on golf, I suppose, it's hard to put into words in in many ways, but um, uh, this podcast is not about Tiger Woods, it's about Matt Miller. So let's, let's go. Let's bring (laughs) it back. We're pretty similar. (laughs) We're both right-handed. You, uh, yeah, you you are, mate. You are. You. <laughs> um, you, you mentioned before uh, that it's not all necessarily sunshine and rainbows and the challenges that you know you face doing a traineeship and and your early years of being a pro. Can you maybe just elaborate a little bit on on what you mean by that? Yeah, um, I think you know when you when you um when you enter a tour or you know whether it's the say for me at the time it was the you know the PGA tour of australasia uh you know you the ranking you have may not be you know um particularly high and you know you get some tournaments you don't get others um you know you you're coming out to join guys that have been doing it for you know many years very experienced know how to get it around even when their best stuff's not even close, you know, um, and they're really able to compete, you know, and you're up against that. Um, you know, things like the costs, you know, involved, um, they add yeah. up pretty quick. If, you, if you're not playing well, it's, you know, it's one way to, you know, to burn through a bit of cash and, you know, um, and the chips sort of go down and, it, you know, you've got to try and dig yourself out of it. Um, you know, and you feel like you're, you're shoveling mud away from your feet, but, yeah, you know, it keeps filling up as quick as it as you yeah. shovel it away. So, yeah, um, yeah there's, there's a lot that goes with it. But um, you know, and just trying to manage your schedule and, and manage your your travel as well. Um, you know, and just, there's just many things that come with it. And uh, you know, there's that sense of you know having to um, to finish in a certain position in order to maintain a card and a, you know for your for your next year and 
um, yeah, all these things that you got to learn how to how to deal with, and and um, yeah, I guess they add up. Every every job, every every sport, you know, um, has its challenges. But um, yeah, I guess when you're young too, um, you know, and you're, and you're joining um, a league like that, it um, it can be can be quite intimidating, and you've got to learn pretty quick as well. Yeah, you talk about every sport having their challenges, but I think golf yeah, particularly um, has has a number of challenges given that the percentage of people who are playing on the PGA Tour and earning big bucks, you know, your Rory's, your DJs mm-hmm. of the world, is the 0.001% of the, the golfing population of the world. And, and they've worked incredibly hard to get where they are, don't get me wrong, but it's certainly... Um, it's certainly not the reality of, of golf uh, for many, many professionals around the world. I want to touch on the European tour for, for you. You you went over in 2006 at the age of 30 to go to the European tour Q school over there. And you worked through all three stages over the next three years. Uh, firstly, that's one hell of a commitment to go over and, and play for three years on the European tour Q school Tell us about the decision. Tell us about what those three years were like. Uh, and I suppose, you know, in, in 2006, you had your best best uh, year end result of being uh, 115th in the order of merit. What was that three-year period like for your career? Yeah, um, I, actually, it was 2005. So uh, back in 2005, I went um, mm-hmm. and got the card and played uh, six, seven, eight, nine um, yeah, it was two thousand. Yeah, it was amazing, really. Um, you know, I'd, I've been playing quite well here in Australia, um, and you know, um, particularly playing well in, in the pro am circuit. But um, you know, and some four rounders as well. But my confidence was was pretty good. I just felt really good, and and I thought, you know, I've got to I've got to go and have a crack at something else. Um, you know, America didn't really sort of float my boat, I guess, you know, uh, for different reasons and, you know, particularly the fact that I've never really hit the ball a long way and, you know, don't don't have a towering ball flight. And I just thought, you know, I do enjoy playing in a bit of wind and some different style of courses. So that sort of ticked the box for Europe, really. Um, and I went there, um, you know, and, yeah, I've been playing really well. Uh, I, I was working in the bar at um, uh, Belcon and Magpies Golf Club uh, they were owned by uh, the West Canberra Magpies footy team. Mm-hmm. So I was working there in their main club, uh, trying to get some money together to go uh, through the nights and stuff. So, and they sort of helped out with the first flight over and everything. And um, you know, a guy who's, who's a close mate, uh, Tony, he he lent me some money to to be able to enter the Q school and whatnot, and said, "Look, take your time to pay it back." And you know, so that, all that was a great help. Um, and yeah, I just went over there and. Uh, first stage, I think, was Chart Hills, and uh, I think I led through the first day or so um, in the first stage. And I thought, oh, you know, this is really good. I shot about eight or nine under or something. And I thought, you know, wow, how good is this? Um, this is pretty easy. Uh, anyway, I think I ran about fifth or sixth in that stage and, and got through. Um, you know, and then we had a few weeks, um, you know, in between stages. So I'd come back home, then went back over, and we played in Spain uh, at PGA Catalunya. Um, just north of Barcelona near Girona and um, yeah I was fortunate enough to get through there I think uh, probably didn't do it as easy I was probably early 20s I think remember having to par the ninth hole which was a strong par four and it was you know pretty difficult and 
uh, you know, hit it on the green for two and made my two putts and, and got through. And the final stage was the next week, six rounds in the final stage at uh, San Rocca down near Valderrama there. And um, yeah, managed to play some pretty consistent golf through there. And I think I might have finished, might have got card number 23 or 21, mm-hmm. something like that. And um, yeah, I was fortunate enough to get through. And good mate Dave Branson, he got through as well. I think he might have finished about 15th from memory or something like that. So. Um, yeah, we were, we were pretty stoked to be uh, to be uh, playing the tour in that in that uh, season to come. And yeah, it was an amazing feeling walking off there, and you know, sort of knowing that um, you know you, you've got an opportunity to play on the European tour. Uh, you know, which was was great. And to, through two thousand and six, I you know I had some good results early, which helped, uh, and I re-ranked really nicely, which got me some good starts in the middle, mm. uh, some of the bigger events, but. I don't think I did all that well in them. Um, and then you know, I just remember getting to the end of the year and um, you know, things were a bit tight. Uh, I finished 115. They extended it, I think, to 118 with the temporary members that were, that were in the fields. Uh, sorry, on the, sorry, that were on the money list, um, you know, that were, you know, say, big guns from the US, but they, they were a temporary member of the European Tour, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, so they come out. And or they or they extend the one fifteen to one eighteen, but I just remember playing at Mallorca and having to um, put in a reasonable performance that week. I certainly couldn't afford to miss the cut, um, and I think I finished maybe in the mid to late twenties. I think, um, which was always going to be enough, but probably couldn't have really afford to finish outside, you know, fiftieth. Mm-hmm. So it was a bit of a pressure pressure week and. Pressure a couple of days on the weekend, you know. Um, play with Thomas Bjorn, I think, um, for memory. And, yeah, it was, yeah, it was interesting. <laughs> so I was um, certainly certainly uh, looking forward to, to getting off there and um, seeing how I went, that's for sure. But, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was nice. It was a great feeling to be able to leave there and come home and know that you didn't have to go back to Q school that year. So, yeah, a great, a great first year. For sure. Uh, I suppose we don't really see you know uh, uh, tour schools around the world uh, regardless of what uh, what tour you're aiming for broadcast overly overly well you've got to really go looking for results uh, but there's some of the most mm. enthralling golf oh, uh, yeah. uh, just the fact that people are, are playing for their livelihood and for status to get on onto these uh, tours you know we've had guys you know young guys like Justin Warren who have gone over to European tour Q school. Yeah. Uh, and missed out by one or two shots and have absolutely no status on on the European tour mm. now. So it's devastating for for someone like Waza, but it shows you how cutthroat these these Q schools are. Whereas it's very different, I suppose. Once you've got your once you've got your card, you're playing to to keep it. And if you have a poor week at a tournament, you, know, you can regroup and come back at the at the next tournament. Whereas if you have one bad week at at to a at to a Q school. Uh, that's your. That's probably your chances done and dusted. Yeah. I suppose in a very, very long-winded way. But did that ever sort of play into your mind at all? Not that year. Um, I, I couldn't tell you why. Uh, I think it was, it was the first time I'd ever gone overseas to a Q school. Um, so I think not knowing exactly what to expect, but playing good golf and being confident in my own head at the time that I was playing good golf. Uh, and not knowing what to expect probably helped looking back at it. Um, you know, I'd, 
I had to go back to Q School in Europe, but only to the finals in 2007 and eight. And I got my card back both times, but I wouldn't like to have had to go back to stage one or two or, you know, so I was happy to go, able to go back to three. But, um, you know, and then I've, you know, I've had times where I've missed in Japan, um, you know, in years to follow where when I've come back after playing in Europe and I've been up to Japan a couple of times and missed, mm. um, you know, so I don't know, in a sense, probably that, um, uh, being a little bit, um, naive in a way, a, a, you know, in terms of everything, how it works and how people feel, you know, um, and that's that's one of the biggest things is trying to control how you feel, uh, you know. And but it's 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 like a big sign that's been planted in front of your face, you know. Like mm-hmm. you said, you if you get it wrong, you're out the door backwards, you know. And the the thing that people don't people some people just think, oh yeah, well that's all right, <laughs> wouldn't you know? It'd be, it'll be all right. Just yeah. wait twelve months, you know. Yeah, that's okay. Um, but, you know, you're back doing exactly where you were. Mm. But the other thing is, you know, like to go through three stages, even in 2005, was, you know, I know the exchange rate with the pound but it was and the euro, but it was still 20 grand. You know, and even now, if you go through three stages of a Q school somewhere, it's going to be close. It's going to be somewhere between 15 and 20. If you do it at 15, you're doing it really, really tight. <laughs> You know, so that's that's a lot of money to outlay. If you haven't got someone to help you with that and outlay that for you, you you're wearing a fair hole in your pocket there. So, um, you know, there's a lot of things that come with it. Um, you know, no one no one's asking for massive sympathy, but um, you know, it's just part of the job. But it is a difficult thing to be able to process in your own head that you know you need to play well, um, but you you know it's catch twenty two. You put pressure on yourself to play well. Well, you, well, you probably won't. Uh, so that's probably one of the biggest things. Sometimes you see guys that, you know, in the, in the Q school drawer and people go, oh, oh, you know, he'll shit at him. You know, he'll get his card. No worries. You know, mm. and he doesn't even come close. Yeah. And, you know, and there's, there's other guys and people go, who's this bloke? He's near leading it, you know, or leading it. And, yeah. and once again, it's just going to come back to, you know, what sort of form you're in at that time and, and your confidence level and, and sometimes the naivety of the situation is uh, is a good thing. I want to fast forward now to uh, to 2011. Uh, you came back since about 2010. You sort of primarily played on the PGA Tour of Australasia and a little bit on the Asian Tour as well. But 2011, you qualify for the Open Championship at Royal St George's, uh, won by Darren Clark that year, and you finished in 63rd yeah. places. 63rd place rather beating names just just entertain me here for a moment Henrik Stenson Padraig <laughs> Harrington Lee Westwood Danny Willett Graham McDowell Brant Snedeker Francesco Molinari Kevin Nah, Matt Kucha all finishing behind yourself Matt Miller uh, you must have been pleased with uh, that <laughs> performance there at Royal St George's uh, in 2011 oh every squirrel gets a nut mate you know that stuff. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh look you know that's one of the things with golf you know, um, I mean, you know, yeah, you know, when you're playing, you know, you can play reasonable golf. They can, they can have a bad day out. You know, big names. And at the end of the day, I mean, sometimes, you know, there's, you know, if you, if you had a bunch of players out there and you cut the heads off them, you know, and you didn't know who was who, you know, on on from day to day, you can be surprised. You know, someone can have a blinder and you go, oh yeah, I expected that to be Tiger Woods or, you know, and then. You know, it might be Matt Miller or it might be someone else, you know, that's, a, that's unheralded, I guess. But 
um, look, it was a great experience. I, you know, really, really enjoyed the whole week. You know, I got to play with a lot of top players, you know, in the practice rounds. And, um, yeah, I, you know, the, the, you know, I won the qualifying six months prior to that at, um, at Kingston Heath. Um, shot about 10 under, I think, for 36 holes in the day. Um, you know, and um, my my oldest daughter, Charlotte, was born about four days or five days before that, and I almost didn't go and play it. Um, so, yeah, it was quite a quite an amazing, um, you know, uh, January, and then to have six months, you know, as a bit of a lead-up to it, and you keep thinking, you know, I'm going to be playing the Open Championship, how good is this? Yeah, but for six months, you're going through that, and you, you know, I guess uh, probably a good thing in the lead-up was the Canberra weather, you know, winter was something I could get out there and really work hard in, and, and um, uh, you know, be prepared for, you know, for the Scottish, uh, for the English weather, so... Um, yeah, but just yeah, really, really thrilled to be able to have the opportunity to play it, and then to have made the cut as well. Um, you know, obviously would like to have finished a bit higher, but uh, certainly bought a brunt of the bad weather on the Saturday. No doubt yes. about that. But um, yeah, so but just an amazing experience. I suppose you'd probably uh, had a little bit of uh, practice on Lynx style golf courses playing on the European Tour for those few years there, but I suppose nothing really prepares you for playing in an Open Championship set up particularly uh, uh, in Sandwich, I think it is, Royal St. George's. So obviously yeah. you've got the, the winds coming off the ocean, uh, as with all good Lynx courses, I suppose. What was your adjustment like to, to playing Lynx-style golf? Because in Australia, we, apart from probably Tasmania, we don't really have any true Lynx-style golf courses. Yeah. Um, I guess one thing that helped with it is that, you know, um, from time to time in Australia, you can play on, you know, on dry ground, um, and you can, you know, you can get a feel for how the ball reacts. Um, you know, and you know, it can get quite windy here as well, obviously. And and I, I enjoy playing in a bit of wind, to be honest. Um, yeah, my ball flight probably suits that. So, um, although there, it does face its challenges, face its challenges. Um, in some respects, I've probably found myself to be quite comfortable with you know, the Lynx condition, you know, and the wind. Um, the thing that I probably don't like that much is the rain. Um, so, that, you know, when that came about, that was always going to make it a bit more difficult. But um, I felt like I got got hold of the conditions pretty well from the practice round on the Sunday, you know, all the way through till before the tournament started. Unfortunately, the putter just wasn't, uh, wasn't that hot that week, so... Uh, but you know, I kept the ball out of the out of the fairway bunkers and and found a, quite a number of greens, but didn't um, didn't seem to roll many in. Fast forwarding now a, a few more years to 2015, and particularly the uh, New Zealand PGA Championship, which was uh, well, you were victorious in that in that tournament, Matt. Tell yeah. me about those four days. Uh, what that experience was like and and 2015 in a nutshell because it was a massive one for you particularly yeah it was um you know i really got my really got back together in 2015 with my whole game um you know and and my head um you know they all had a really good balance and um things just felt felt like they were flowing on they were easy um you know i'd come off some really good results um uh coming into that one at new zealand pga and was unlucky to be beaten by uh, Ryan Fox uh, at Toowoomba only two weeks prior mm. the event that was prior to that tournament. And I think he'd finished Eagle Eagle Par uh, and I finished Par 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 in that tournament. He was two groups ahead, I think, and, or one group ahead. And 
yeah, he'd driven it on a par four, <laughs> made the putt from six foot and then hold it from off the green on the par five up the hill. And so, you know, in my head, I'm thinking, wow, how, you know, how did I lose this? <laughs> you know, just, I didn't do anything wrong. But uh, so, yeah, I sort of, I had some good form coming into it and I'd played well in events prior to that as well. And, but that, uh, that course at Remuera in Auckland, um, parkland type course really sort of suited me. Um, you know, a lot of holes really just suited my eye. Um, I just remember, I just played a really solid week of golf. Um, didn't do much wrong at all. Um, bogeys were really kept to a minimum. And, um, you know, you had to drive it pretty straight there. And it wasn't long, but you had to be straight, uh, which suited me. And, you know, I, my irons were good and I, and I chipped and padded well when needed to. And, and um, yeah, the last day was probably the, you know, it was a tough day. It was it was blowing over 50 k's an hour on that day. It was really... You know, it was quite brutal. Um, I think I might have shot under par that day, just um, which which was great being in the in the lead as well. I think so. Um, yeah, just just but a real yeah. I think by the end of it, I was really tired. I was I was cooked mentally. Um, you know, from the efforts of that day um, and and trying to get over the line. But uh, yeah, I, I was just yeah, I was so happy to finally finally get a win on the on the tour. You know, in the four in the four rounders. Um, yeah, on the main tour and um, yeah, the excitement. Yeah, I just yeah, I think you know some of it passed me by though. To mm. be honest, yeah, you you're a bit um, a bit uh, worn out by it all. But yeah, I just remember it being awesome. Um, you know, and that was a that event was obviously a great contributor to a huge year. I think I had uh, that win. I must have had four other seconds. I reckon uh, eleven top tens out of thirteen or fourteen events. Mm. Um, yeah, just yeah, just a really, really, just yeah, just a really great year. Um, you know, just I sort of had the same. The game just sort of stayed the whole year. It was there. Um, you know, just yeah, really had good control of the ball and what I was doing, and and was pitching the ball great and putting well, and yeah, it just just fired on from one to the one to the next. So it was yeah, it was an amazing year. I think you mentioned you were player of the year. That year is that yeah. that correct as well? Yeah. Well, I mean, it'd be hard for them to over, overlook you, mate. Because I'm just having a look back at your uh, <laughs> back at your results here. Yes, you you had a first, you had four seconds, and then a further yeah, six right. top tens. Uh, your world yeah, golf yeah. ranking went from uh, 1,200 up to 325. So if they awarded it to anyone else, mate, I I, I, I dead set be having a royal commission into it. <laughs> yeah, I think. Um... The thing I thought maybe Nick Cullen was a chance having won the the Masters at Metro in the back of that um, fourteen year, and that was sort of a counter. Uh, that was counting from that event onwards, I think, into fifteen. But I guess, and he had a couple of good ones, I think, through fifteen as well. He was up there. I think he might have lost to Richard Green in the play uh, in the playoff at the Big Open, and um, yeah. So he, but I think he then tapered off a bit. But I thought Nick was a, was a real good chance as well, but. You know, I, I probably just didn't want to. Um, yeah, I just probably wasn't really accepting of the fact that maybe I I was going to win it, and I had people saying to me, "You're kidding, mate. You know, you, you had to win it." And then I think, well, yeah, but maybe not. You know, but, but yeah, it's just yeah, it's just incredible. So really great year, that one. 
Fast forward again, another another couple of years to 2018 and another big year for, for you. You mm. win again the Rebel Sports Masters, I suppose. Um, tell us a bit about that. But also, I suppose, more broadly in 2018, you had a fantastic event at the Australian Open, finished T5, and, and then particularly at the Australian PGA Championship, finishing T3 and only beaten out by Cam Smith and Mark Leishman, if you don't mind. So... I suppose uh, as much as you'd love to win, if you're going to finish third to anyone, mate, it's probably going to be Leash and Smith. Yeah. It's not too bad company to be sitting behind. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, I think uh, the first year, third minute of the year was the Rebel Masters. Um, only played the once uh, at Wainui, just sort of north of Auckland. Um, really good course. Um, you know, sort of, it was very dry um, and fairways were a little bit slopey and you sort of, you had to be on with your shaping of the ball. There were times where you, you know, you really had to fight the slope of the fairway with a shape, and um, you know, and it got quite breezy and dry. And once again, you know, right up my alley. Um, you know, I think uh, coming into the final round, I was, I think I was tired probably with Daniel Pierce. You know, and we'd had a good battle. I think the previous year at. Um, uh, City Golf Club at Toowoomba in the Queensland PGA, and he got me in the playoff there. Um, so, you know, nice to nice to be back with Piercy and you know having a chance to, to maybe get one over him. And look, he didn't have the greatest day to be fair, um, you know. But uh, conditions were windy, dry. Uh, it was getting difficult to get your ball close. Um, but you know, I managed to hit a lot of good shots, and I'm not sure if I dropped a shot in that final round. To be honest, I'm, I think I went. Uh, without dropping a shot, may and maybe only one for the weekend, um, and yeah, I think ended up winning by three shots, two or three shots. Um, but yeah, just you know, another great feeling to to win a tournament again, and um, you know that was a course that, uh, although the field may not have been super strong, that you know the two players that were there that know that course quite well is uh, Ryan Fox and Mike Hendry, so mm. they played and um, boosted the boosted the um, um, the strength of the field there heavily, but um, yeah, so it was great to great to win that event. Um, you know, and that sort of started the year, and you know, then I, I went off and played a bit in Europe through the middle of the year. I had some status there from going to the school, his mm-hmm. school in the back of seventeen. Um, just didn't get enough starts really, uh, and but to be honest, didn't play fantastic. Played okay, but just never got really really going. So. Um, you know, played a bit there through the middle of the year and then came back and then again, I went back and then by the time I come back at the end of the year, I, I was playing okay, but, uh, you know, I wasn't, wasn't expecting to have the finishes that I had um, coming into those last few events. You know, I played really well in, in the WA tournament, uh, the WA Open there, and but just really got a good feel for, for where things were at um, and just played a, yeah, you know, the... The Australian Open, I, you know, my best result in an Open. I've, you know, not really, probably, probably been the tournament that I've, you know, least excelled at here in Australia. So, um, you know, it was nice to nice to get around the lakes and, um, yeah, and, and and play well and finish fifth there. And then, of course, um, yeah, the Australian PGA Championship. Uh, yeah, I think we had a week's a week's break and then up to Royal Pines and I'd sort of finished sixth there in 2015 and, you know, sort of like the, you know, I don't mind the course, I love it, but, um, yeah, I, I, it's one of those courses where, um, 
you know, you, depending for me, it's a bit more difficult. There's a lot of there's probably more hazards in play at my length than there are for a lot of other guys. But um, you know, I sort of I was driving the ball well. You know, I was driving it straight and you know had a, had a really good feel and uh, played you know okay round one. I think only shots even or one under and you know I couldn't have, I really couldn't have had any. You know, any worse than probably 69, 68, to be honest, the way I played. And but I sort of got it together a bit on Friday, and then Saturday was a bit tougher. Um, you know, quite quite windy and warm. Uh, I think I must have shot at least a handful under that day, and and really got things going. And um, you know, that got me into the second last group. Uh, I played with Harold Bunner, the third there on uh, on the Sunday, and um, played played great. You know, I hadn't dropped a shot all of Saturday, and I didn't drop any on Sunday until number 18. Um, that was my only drop shot of the of the weekend in some pretty breezy conditions, and um, yeah, sort of it was great to be up there and um, you know sort of up there with Cam Smith and Mark Leishman fighting it out. Um, but you know they sort of just got ahead of everyone else, but you know they were playing some amazing golf at the time. So yeah, uh, ended up with a third place there, and then and managed to win the Player of the Year award that week as well. So for the second time, so. Yeah, it was a couple of definitely a couple of good years in those two years. Yeah, we talk about uh, Royal Pines and and the hazards being in play at your length, mate. I actually got to play out at Royal uh, Royal Pines uh, two weeks ago, and uh, let me tell you that every hazard on the course is in play for me. <laughs> so every single one doesn't matter where it is, they're all in play. So, but uh, a lot of fun, a lot of fun playing out there, and I I found myself at every tee box just looking back and going, "Holy shit!" The the black yeah. tees are another thirty meters behind me, and I'm really struggling as it is. So, it's a uh, it is a good course. Yeah. And, uh, that was a, a great week yeah. for you uh, up there with uh, with Smithy and Leash as well, mate. So you should be uh, you should be very proud of what you achieved in in yeah, the big tournament. Twenty nineteen, though, uh, I suppose uh, for for every um, I suppose a highlight, there's a bit of a low light as well. Twenty nineteen, you you struggled with back troubles. Um, you had, I was yeah. reading today, you had bone scans, you had MRIs, you had injections, you had the whole lot. Um, maybe <laughs> just tell us a little bit about, I suppose, what, what the issue was. I mean, have you, is it resolved? How's the, how's it all looking now? And I suppose what did, what did 2019, I suppose, look like, um, from a back management perspective? Yeah. Uh, interesting, interesting year. Um, you know, coming off the highs of 2018, um, you know, struggled to get going early in 19, just didn't quite have the tournament form, you know, didn't think I was that far behind where I needed to be, but just wasn't quite on pace and um, some miscuts early and then, uh, which is which is pretty rare for me. And then, um, yeah, uh, uh, April last year, my mum was um, diagnosed with a, um, horrendous case of melanoma so you know we were sort of fighting things with that all year and um, you know she was given a short um, diagnosis of time you know of um, time with us and you know so I sort of had a few things going on but then you know I got to the back of the year and um, you know I was pumped up again to to play and then um, to play all the events I still had another world golf event in the back of the year so I was quite excited about that and then yeah, all of a sudden I just developed a, um, a back problem out of nowhere, and I just couldn't get on the, couldn't get out there to play. Um, I had a good six weeks off it. Uh, oh, sorry, four or five, four to five weeks off it, and then came back 
um, tried to play, went to Kalgoorlie, I think, for the WAPGA. Yeah, so flew over there all the way out there. It just it was the day. I remember the day after the the mighty Raiders got gypped by Ben Cummins in the grand final. That's right. Um, <laughs> we won't go into that. Uh, anyway, um, but yeah, flew to Kalgoorlie um, and thought I was okay to go. And I sort of got off the plane. I was fine. And then you know warmed up and stretched and everything. And then uh, on the Tuesday, my my back felt you know really tight and gristly and ugly and I thought oh, no good went and got some treatment over there and then uh, Wednesday didn't feel too bad and then got out there to play Thursday warmed up felt pretty good and I thought oh, this is good got out there about five or six holes into it and maybe about one under for the five or six and thought this is alright and I think I might have made oh, might have one or two under and I think this is alright and then um, next minute just bang out of nowhere it fired up um, ended up playing 10 holes or 11 holes Pulled out, um, thought, well, I've got the World Golf event in Shanghai coming up. You know, I've got to be able to play it. Uh, so I, I flew back home, went and had all these um, appointments with the, with the specialists, with the sports doctors and specialists, and um, yeah, to the point where basically all they could all they could tell me was that um, looking at all the scans and the MRI that it was just wear and tear issues, and, and there's you know no surgery or anything you know that would be required. Um, and nothing that would really benefit me there, but um, so they gave me some injections in there, which would sort of put a bit of sort of similar to cortisone type effect. Um, would get in there and, and settle things down, and that certainly did, um, which enabled me to then go and play the big PGA at Cape Shank as a bit of a warm up for the following week in China. Um, so I went and played Cape Shank, then went to China. I think from that original date of the injections, I got eight weeks. From day to day to day before it broke down, I'd been in Japan for the Q school and, and got myself a number there for this season um, to get some starts early. Um, but yeah, then I think I got back from Japan, had a few days at home, then went up to the PGA in Queensland, and on the Tuesday the PGA it just it just went to shit again. Um, so yeah, I, I sort of spent uh, pulled out of the practice Wednesday, the pro sorry the pro am Wednesday, and then. Um, Played Thursday, but it was, yeah, it wasn't good at all. Um, and then Matt Green, the physio, said to me, "Don't, don't even bother playing tomorrow, mate." And I said, "Yeah, I'll see how it goes." You know, and I'm probably, probably a bit stubborn and probably got a bit too much pride in that respect to, to you know, to not go out there. And I turned up and thought, oh, you know, maybe it'll be all right. Maybe I can get out there. And you know, and I got out there. I, you know, it was no good. So I think I played eight holes and yeah, had had to. Couldn't even make it back to make it back in front of the clubhouse. <laughs> so I played eight holes and walked off. I think after seventeen, it was just yeah. So I thought, okay, we'll come back and we'll see what happens from there. And um, so I got got a fair bit of treatment on it, and then it was decided that I should need to have another dose of injections in the T six seven area, um, which I did uh, early in the new year, and that got me through nicely through until March April, and then. And then the COVID stuff's hit and I've sort of uh, kept things to a bit of a minimum there. But touch wood, um, it's been all right. Uh, so take a strong anti-inflammatory with it um, when, I, when I do play, when I do play tournaments. But, um, yeah, it's, it's just sort of wear and tear stuff that's, you know, I guess a lot of guys are going to have, but it's in quite a couple of sort of ordinary areas there. So um, going forward, we just hope it hangs on and behaves itself. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, I was just going to say, hopefully it does behave itself and uh, and you're able to continue continue playing the golf uh, that, that we know. Uh, a couple more for you because uh, I am conscious of time and I and I appreciate that you've been on the phone for a little while. Um, yeah, no worries. Blitz golf, uh, you you've played. You've um, what are your thoughts on blitz golf? Obviously, it's a it's a radical new format that's coming in. We at the nineteenth tee absolutely love the format. Uh, tell us what your thoughts are and uh, and just where you sit on blitz. Yeah, I really enjoy it. Um, I, I just. You know, the Simon and his team are you know, doing such a good job with it. I, I hope that it's something that you know that he can um, develop into exactly the you know the finest um, um, perfect product that he needs in order to you know maybe sell it to some some of the major tours and TV because I think you know it's it's just that you know golf is you know it cries out for something a bit different you know mm. to your normal stroke play your normal four rounds or you know. Okay, all right. Here's the you know here's the world match play. You know, um, yeah, yeah. It's different. It's different to that. Uh, you know, it's that. Um, you know, on the on the couple of occasions, you know, where I, where I've played quite well in them, um, I was fortunate enough to get the one at Kerr Lewis there um, at the beginning of nineteen. Um, you know, the the feeling. It's a different feeling, you know, and you you know it, it feels it almost feels like you're always playing uh, to make the cut. In a mm. sense, uh, yeah. in terms of when I say that, I mean, uh, I mean it's the equivalent of playing, say, the Australian PGA Championship, and you're not at your best, and so you're not at the top of the board, but you're in the middle of the field, but you know that you know you're around that cut mark, mm. and that's almost what it feels like when you when you're playing your first nine holes, you know, and then if you qualify through, you feel that way again in your next six, and then again in your next three, you know, until you make that final group, and then you know, all right, okay, I've got to beat three guys here. So it's completely different in its concept uh, and in its thinking, you know. And I mean, yeah, it's a difficult. It, it, it really tests you uh, mentally because you don't want to be sitting there thinking that you, you know, you're you're on the cut line, so to speak. That you know, you've got to just get through because you actually want to be positive, you know, and rattle off three or four birdies in that nine holes, you know, mm. and, and and a few pars. Or you know, you want to get out there in that six holes, start strong, you know, birdie the first one or two you know, set yourself up and away you go mm. rather than sort of, you know, hanging about the negative, you know. So it's, it's got its, um, it's got its challenges, but I, I, I really like it. I, I just love the fact that, you know, the, the, you know, they've got the music going and, you know, there's, there's families of people out there. Uh, if people are able to have a drink on the course, if that's what they want to do. And, you know, um, I just think, yeah, it, it's got all the, all the right things to, to attract people to it, to come and watch. It's, it's over, you know, in a sh- much shorter space of time. So, yeah, I, I really enjoy it. I, I, you know, I'd, I'd love it if we could have, you know, maybe a dozen in a year. Yeah. So, well, that'd be great. It would be great. It would be great. I'm certainly looking forward to the first one heading over to Perth uh, early next year. Yeah. As well. Um, two more for you. Uh, you mentioned, um, obviously, before uh, the Raiders. You are a, a very passionate <laughs> Raiders fan. Now, I've got to... Just a, a quick, quick, quick question for you. What were you more nervous on standing on the first tee of the 2011 Open Championship at Royal St. George's or moments before the first whistle of the 2019 NRL Grand Final? Um, yeah, yeah uh, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was, I was pretty nervous at the Open, I've got to say. Um, <laughs> 
yeah, a lot of people, a lot of people around the tee, you know, the great Ivor Robson, you know, even though I'd, you know, had him call me out a num, you know, many times on the European tour, a little yeah. bit, it seems to be a little bit different when it's the Open and, you know, you, you've got a lot of spectators, you know, in the stands around and many more milling around down the sides of the fairways and, you know, you, you certainly want to get off to a good start. So, I guess I was pretty edgy there on that on that first shot, um, then you know, shake, shaking a little bit. Um, so probably narrowly that one takes it. I think. <laughs> Last question: uh, You told me before that you've played with the great Freddie Couples and a couple of other major winners. Yeah. Uh, tell me what it was like playing with Freddie and and uh, some of those other major winners that you've played with as well. Yeah, um, amazing playing with Fred. He was uh, played with the Lakes in the Australian Open. So 2000 and oh, I'm going to say 12 or 13, whatever year it was, they came out here to play. He was captain and would have been at Royal Melbourne the next week. Mm-hmm. Um, that was one of those two years. But, um, oh, look, he was a champion, absolute champion, you know, like the whole way around. You know, he, was, he was happy. To, he, he talked the whole way, you know, and at times he was leading the conversation. Uh, you know, and it, and asking you about about yourself, you know. So it was, we, we got along really well, talked the whole way. Um, you know, I remember seeing him hit a couple of shots that, oh, they stick with me. I, I just, I just couldn't believe the ball flight. Um, you know, he hit a shot into the second at the lakes to the tight right hand pin. You know, with his six iron after he laid up off the tee. You know, that was just it was the, the most pure high towering fade. Um, it's just incredible. He hit it to about four foot, and yeah, no one was getting close to that on the day in that wind, and just amazing. And then seventeen, I remember him hitting. Uh, I'm sure it was four iron for his second, um, and the pin was sort of. I think it was only a it was sort of the, the green runs away from front to back there, and I, I don't reckon the pin was any more than about I'm going to say about third, ten or thirteen on at the most, sort of in the front section. And when I got into the lo- into the locker room afterwards, and I, and I had the TV in there, anyone that was playing really well, you know, guys like John Fender and that were playing great, you know, hitting shots in there. And I think even Greg Chalmers, they couldn't get it near it. They hit beautiful shots in there, but no one could get it near this pin because it would just release to the back. And he hit this four iron that just, I don't know, it went above the clouds, I reckon, and it it was all over the pin, came down, lands just on, and finishes two foot away. You know, and he taps it in for eagle and. You know, he makes out that it's nothing, you know. It's just, you know, just a couple of shoulder rolls. You know, it's only Fred Couples can do and just sort of swaggers off, you know. It, but just just the most unassuming, nice bloke, you know. And I think, um, you know, we were walking from the eighth. Remember, we were walking from the eighth green. I think he just made birdie there, the par five. And we are walking through the tunnel back to the ninth tee. And there's heaps of people going out with the leaders. Um, you know, the leaders have just been teeing off and they're coming through. Well, Tiger Woods had just gone up the second when we were playing the eighth. I remember that because he hit it out on the eighth, and I and it was my turn to play. And he was just standing there with Joe LaCarver, and and I'm thinking, well, I can't just hit it over his head. Like, what if it comes out low or something? And I nut the great Tiger, you know. Um, so I remember that, and then get walking through that tunnel, um, you know, there's people just yelling at him, you know, you know, just adoring him. Yeah. And he goes, oh, I love this country, man. I love this country. You know, I said, well, mate, honestly, I said, maybe apart from Greg Norman, I said, you're probably the next most thought of guy in golf here. You know, yeah. I said, you know, golf fans love you here in Australia. 
And he said, really, really, man? Is that right? You know, and I said, yeah. I said, you know, and I looked at my caddy, a good mate of mine, and he just said, mate, oh, I love you. <laughs> he said, we love you. <laughs> and he said, oh, I love it. You know, and he, but he was genuine, you know, like he wasn't a, you know, some of these guys are, you know, just wankers, but, you know, he, he was, yeah, he was genuine and he, you know, just a really, really good guy and good to talk to. So, you know, great, really thrilled to have had the opportunity to play with him. Mate, that's a great story. That's a great story for us to finish on as well, mate. Uh, it's, oh, I've really enjoyed this chat going through your career. It's Thanks, obviously, man. it's not all been uh, ups as we spoke about. You've had uh, plenty of downs, which you've bounced back from as well. You've had a great start to the 2020 season. I hope that continues for you when it, when golf returns. Yeah. Hopefully, <laughs> it's, uh, hopefully it's soon because uh, we, we'd love to see some Aussie professional golf. Uh, up and running in 2020 mate thanks so much for joining us on the 90th tea podcast it's uh it's been a lot of fun this one thanks Matt. i've really enjoyed it mate good on you thank you